This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. And a wonderful era of Shabbos to all of you, and it's a great Shabbos as well. Even though it's a three weeks, a time of, well, a mourning, sadness, a time of remembering destruction and exile. It's a time that we have to go through some of the dark and painful moments of our Jewish history. But nonetheless, it is a Shabbos that we have to celebrate because it's Shabbos Mavorachim. We are going to bless a new month, the new month of Av. And even though Av has that saddest of all days, Tisha B'Av, it also has the most joyous of all days, the 15th of Av. And this is why the month of Av is a very special month, a month that touches the highest and the lowest. And something which touches the highest and the lowest indicates a true type of infinity, something which is beyond any type of description. It goes to the highest of the high with the incredible festival of Tuba of the 15th of Av, and yet it is able to help us deal with the darkest situations of Tisha of the 9th of Av, when the temple was actually destroyed. And the Shabbos we bless that month, and the Shabbos that blesses that month contains within it powerful elements of that month. And this is why this is a Shabbos of touching highest and lowest levels on so many, on so many different dimensions. The Parsha is Pinchas, an incredible Parsha. We read about him at the end of last week, an individual who stood up and did what was, well, very, very heroic, something which was extraordinary. Unfortunately, one of the tribes, leaders of the tribes of Israel, was behaving in a very immoral way. And Pinchas was so incensed that this incredible Chilul Hashem, defamation of God's name, is taking place in public, and the Jewish people are about to be punished by a terrible, terrible play coming from God. Pinchas felt he had to do something, and last week we read how he stood up and did that act of, well, heroism, act of, of tremendous zealous behavior, but nonetheless the right thing at the right time. And this week we continue where Hashem says, because of this incredible action that Pinchas did, I am going to reward him with Hineni uh, Nosala. I'm going to give him the gift of shalom. I'm going to briti shalom, my covenant of peace. One might think that for an act that could be considered an act of violence, there wouldn't be any type of reward, certainly not a reward of briti shalom, the divine covenant of peace. But nonetheless, obviously, this indicates to us what, in fact, the true motive of Pinchas was all about. And the question is asked, why is it that we divide the story in two? Last week we read about that which he did, and this week we read about the reward he's given by God. Why couldn't it all be contained in the same parsha? Either continue with the reward that God gives him last week, or in fact take last week's part of the story and give it into this Parsha. And interestingly enough, the Parsha is called Pinchas. One would think that we would be introduced to Pinchas in his moment of extreme bravery and extreme greatness. Why is it that we divide the story and somehow indicate that there are two very separate parts to the story, something that we have to understand? And as we go through the Parsha, we see a number of, well, what the Parsha is talking about. It speaks about the senses. It speaks about the counting of the people. It speaks about inheriting the land. It speaks about the daughters of Tzalafchot, great women who brought about a new law, 
into the Torah. We speak about the various sacrifices that were brought on the festivals. What is this all about? We speak about the succession of Moshe. Moshe is told by God that he will be leaving this world before the Jewish people enter into the land. And Moshe, of course, is concerned with succession. Who will take over? Who will guide and lead, take care of the people? Once he is no longer here, all of this comes together in the parsha of Pinchas on the Shabbos that we bless the new month of Av, the first of the three weeks. What is that all about? More of that soon. This is the weekly parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. We're talking about Pinchas. We're talking about the idea that somebody does something which is extraordinary and he gets a reward for it. Now, what is the motivation? Sometimes a person does something great because he knows the reward he will see, receive makes it all worthwhile. In a sense, it becomes a bit self-serving, the fact that he is doing something in order to receive a reward. But over here, we see an entirely different story. Pinchas had no desire whatsoever to receive a reward. He had no consideration of any personal benefit whatsoever that he was going to get from his act. All he wanted to do is to stop this terrible Chilul Hashem, this terrible, terrible act brought about by one of the leaders of the tribes. He wanted to bring about a situation of holiness to the Jewish people. He wanted to stop the plague that was about to come. He wanted to bring about a situation where the Jewish people would understand that they have an ethical and moral greatness, that they have to bring about the Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of God's name. And this is something which Pinchas did without any consideration whatsoever. And this is why that part of the story is told to us last week, to separate it from the reward because the reward had nothing to do with what he actually did. The reward, of course, is God's response to Pinchas. He says to Pinchas, because you did something like that, because you brought about this tremendous spiritual change, this positive spiritual change, I am going to give you the ultimate gift, the ultimate gift of British Shalom, my covenant of peace, and one can only imagine what a divine covenant of peace is all about. And also, I'm going to make you a Kohen. Now, a Kohen, you are come a Kohen because you are born to your father, who is a Kohen, whose father was a Kohen. And only Aaron and his four sons became Kohanim, and those that were born afterwards. Pinchas was born, and therefore he did not become a Kohen. It was only those who were born afterwards. Yet Hashem says, I'm going to transform you into something which is quite incredible. I'm going to make you a Kohen. In other words, sometimes an individual does something, and he does it without any personal motivation whatsoever. All he's concerned about is a sanctification of God's name, Kiddush Hashem. He wants to bring about a benefit to the people. And what he accomplishes as a result of that is a complete transformation in his own life as well. A complete transformation to the sense that he becomes a Kohen. He becomes one who is allowed to enter into the holy areas and to be a minister in the house of God. And this is something which cannot be achieved no matter how hard you work. Yes, we can achieve great things, but to become a Kohen, this is only something which comes as a result of inheritance. Your father was a Kohen, or as in this instance, a direct gift from God. But nonetheless, Pinchas is transformed. But all of this is here to tell us something entirely different as well. Pinchas is an individual who is concerned about his people. Pinchas is an individual who is concerned about the future. 
Pinchas is watching the Jewish people at this particular moment in time. They are about to enter into the promised land. And Pinchas knows that they are going to be challenged by all sorts of difficulties, obstacles in the promised land. The war, the division of the land, whatever it takes to take that land and to make it into a holy land, this is going to take a tremendous amount of work. Pinchas realizes that the Jewish people need some sort of indication of how they are actually going to do that incredible job. It's a lot, well, when you think about it, what the Jewish people had to do is to come into the land. They had to battle against the enemy. Then they divide the land and work the land. They had to come from the desert into an entirely new reality and transform that land into a spiritual haven. Eretz HaKodesh, the holy land where God's house will be built, the permanent house of God. And Pinchas realizes that in order to do this, the Jewish people need an extra dimension of insight, of greatness, of strength, so that when the challenges come, they won't be bowled over, they won't fall down, they will stand firm, they will stand strong, and they will continue to build and to grow and to do whatever is necessary to make the Holy Land a truly holy land. And our sages tell us something quite incredible, that Pinchas had the soul of Eliyahu, Elijah the prophet. And who is Elijah the prophet? Elijah the prophet is the one who is going to bring the news about the coming of Mashiach and the total redemption. Pinchas had that quality. He understood what redemption was all about. He understood what the messianic promise was all about. He understood what it means to go into a new reality and to somehow summon from within oneself extraordinary strength and power and passion and devotion in order to bring about God's desired effect in this particular part of the world. It was not an easy feat. It was something which was going to take every bit of strength the Jewish people individually and collectively as a nation had. It was something that was going to take every bit of strength that they possessed, not only to stand up against formidable armies who were determined to destroy the Jewish people, but to physically work the land, to divide the land, to turn what is an otherwise physical place upon earth into something which is entirely different. We have to understand that the Holy Land is not merely another country. It's not merely this place in the Middle East. It's not merely some land that belongs to the Jewish people. It is the Holy Land. The very earth, the very sand, the very substance of the land possesses a dimension of holiness that the rest of the world simply doesn't. And God says, this is my home, and this is my legacy. This is what I'm giving to you. This is the fulfillment of the promise to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the ultimate expression of God's purpose of creation. And therefore, it takes tremendous effort in order to bring about the revealed holiness of the land, in order to somehow draw out the inner, the inner treasure that is contained within the land, and to draw down from the Almighty a tremendous sense of blessing, of holiness into the land. What does Pinchas do? Pinchas tells the people that in order to achieve this, you're going to need two qualities. Number one, a tremendous sense of dedication and devotion. You're going to need this tremendous deliverance of yourself to a higher authority. 
But also you have to remember, you're going to have to do things which even though you might think bring no personal benefit to you whatsoever, you do it because this is the will of God. This is God's commandment. This is what he instructs us to do. And regardless of whether you understand it or not, it's something which has to be done. This is what Pinchas is telling the people. From time to time, you need an element of zealousness. And what is a zealot? A zealot is not only, well, this wild-eyed guy who does something great. No. It is an act of where you devote yourself completely and totally to the act itself, to the holiness of God's will, without any consideration for one's own safety, for one's own future, and certainly not for any reward or benefit. A zealot is an individual whose entire life becomes a vessel, becomes a vehicle through which the will of God is expressed. Now, we're not called upon that to do it all the time. Absolutely not. We are, after all, limited human beings. And as limited human beings, we have hearts and minds, thoughts, emotions, relationships that are contained within the limitation of a physical world. In fact, most of our lives, we have to deal with that limited physical reality. Don't get me wrong, that physical limited reality is huge, it's powerful. The expanse is enormous. We have tremendous strength, intellectual strength, emotional strength, physical strength. We have incredible strength, but all of them are ultimately limited by the physical reality of our own lives and the physical reality of the world that we live in. What Pinchas is telling the people, sometimes you have to draw down that which is beyond the limitations of this physical world, that which is beyond any type of restriction, a zealousness, because after all, most of the things we do, we calculate. Is it worth my while? Is it something of benefit? Is it something which I'm going to put time and energy and effort into? Is it worth my while? Whether it's study, whether a relationship, whatever the case might be, how is it all going to turn out. You assess the risk. You begin to consider what, in fact, is the single most important benefit over here. But sometimes, says Pinchas, in order to overcome serious obstacles in life, you have to draw upon an inner ability, an inner strength that comes from the very essence of your soul. You have to become a kanai. You have to become a zealot. You have to become an individual whose total concern is only one thing, becoming a vehicle through which the will of God can be expressed and fulfilled. You become an individual that has no consideration whatsoever of any type of reward or personal benefit. You don't consider risk. You don't consider anything other than doing the right thing. And Pinchas is telling the people, this is the way that you will take possession of the land. This is the way you will conquer the land. Yes, of course, there'll be wars. There'll be situations of difficulty and argument and differences, etc., where you have to use your mind and your heart and your bodies to deal with those issues. But there will be moments as well when you have to draw something down from the very essence of your souls, something which has no limitation whatsoever and absolutely no consideration other than that doing the right thing. And this becomes the model. This becomes the example of Pinchas. And what does God say? I give him the covenant of peace. Now, what is peace really? Peace means that everything fits together in a balanced, harmonious sort of way.
What is the word shalom? Shalom means something which is whole, something which is complete. It took an act of zealousness to bring about a completeness, a wholeness into the purpose of the Jewish people, the act of Pinchas. And this is what Pinchas is indicating to the people. In order to achieve a wholeness, in order to bring about the completion where you bring about the type of harmony and goodness and balance which this world needs, you have to use whatever talents and abilities that you possess, but you also have to draw upon inner greater strength, something which is not limited by any consideration whatsoever. But as mentioned before, doing the right thing, because it's the right thing and that's the only reason you do it. More of that soon. This is the Weekly Parsha with Rabbi Mendel Lipska from Chabad of Hyde Park. Let's talk about the idea of what this Parsha is all about and how almost every single story carries the message that Pinchas modeled for us in terms of doing something because it's the right thing, doing something not because you understand or it brings you reward, but doing something because it's the right thing. The story, of course, about the, well, dividing the land, dividing the land, one would think is a very... Well, not a simple procedure, but it's a very calculated procedure. You take the number of people, as we've just had in the census, you divide them according to tribes, and you see bigger tribes, smaller tribes, etc., etc., but no. You had to have that calculation. You also had to have a lottery. Also, the Urim Betumim, the breastplate that was on the chest of the high priest Eliezer, this also had to indicate if, in fact, the allocation of land to a particular tribe was correct. It had to come about as a result of a direct message from God himself, a combination of human calculation and at the same time an indication of something which is far higher as well. Indicator. How do you take possession of the land? How do you divide the land? It's not a simple calculation. It's not only a human calculation. It's not only a reasonable or rational calculation. It's that plus much, much more, a clear indication from God, a clear message from God. This is the right thing. We speak about Moshe, who's told by God that he won't enter the promised land. And what's Moshe's first concern? One would think he's told that it's time for him to help take care of his of his last days upon this earth, for he has to do what he has to do to take care of his personal matters. But what's his first response? His first response is, God, you cannot allow this people to continue without a leader. Who shall we appoint as my successor? And as the commentaries point out, Moshe's only concern was the people. Can you imagine Moshe's being told he's not going into the promised land? Take care of your affairs. No. He continues to be concerned only about the people. He draws from this inner strength, Moshe's inner strength, but something which defies reason. It's something which indicates a total dedication and a devotion, something which comes from a limitless, infinite dimension of the soul. We talk about the daughters of Tzlavchad who were determined that their father should get a portion in the land, and even though the laws of inheritance didn't include them, they appealed to Moshe. Moshe turns to God, and God says the daughters of Tzalafchad are in fact correct in their request. They brought about a new dimension in Torah, and why? It wasn't so much that they wanted a piece of land, even though they loved the land with an incredible passion. 
as Torah tells us, the women loved the Holy Land even more than the men, and particularly the daughters of Tzolofchot, who were great scholars and women of modesty and beauty and total dedication. What they wanted to do is to bring about a correctness in the allocation of the land. They wanted their father's name remembered, not because of any personal benefit, really. What does God do? God introduces a new law into Torah regarding the laws of inheritance and women. Again, we see this other dimension. We talk about the sacrifices toward the end of the Parsha and how God says, this is lachmi, this is my bread, this is my sustenance. Yes, one can understand the idea of sacrifices an expression of thanksgiving, whatever the case might be. A person wants to show a devotion to the temple. God saying, this is my bread, this is my sustenance, this is, yes, this is what God is saying. We see an incredible combination of the infinite and the finite, the limited and the limitless. We find a tremendous combination of the divine and the human. Pinchas tells us again and again through word, through action, through example, this is the way you're going to take possession of the land. And this is something that we have to understand. This is why in the three weeks when we are in a state of mourning, when we remember the pain and suffering, particularly as I said today, today, this Shabbos, we're going to bless the new month of Av. And what does Av have? It has the saddest day and the most joyous day, both incredible extremes. And something which touches both extremes, as mentioned before, indicates a true infinity, because otherwise one is limited either by the highest of the high or the lowest of the low, but a combination of the two a month that should contain these two extremes, this indicates this is an extraordinary month. So when you're in shul tomorrow, listen to the Parsha very well. First of all, listen to the opening words where God declares, Pinchas is going to become a coin. I'm going to give him Briti Shalom, the covenant of wholeness, the covenant of peace, the covenant of perfection within this world. But listen to every portion of the Torah, the vision of the land, the allocation of the land, the story of Moses, the story of the appointment of Joshua. Listen to the plea of the daughters of Tzalafchat. Listen to the story of the various sacrifices that were brought in the temple that become the lachmi, the bread of God. And also remember that we are blessing the new month. We are Shabbos Mavorchim, blessing the new month of Menachem of a month of consolation, a month of pain, yes, a month of sorrow, yes, but at the same time, a month of incredible, incredible elements of God's purpose in this world. He immediately gives us a festival which is the highest of the high, the ultimate consolation to the terrible destruction of the temple and the exile of the people. Remember all these things well. Listen to the Parsha. It's full. It's full of greatness. It has so many important messages. Listen, listen carefully.